0: Another episode of Hear the Spear presented by Noel Game Day. I'm Ryan Stalder, accompanied by my co host, Ethan Vaughn. We'll be welcoming special guests, former Florida State defensive lineman Jacoby McDaniel, on for his second appearance on Hear the Spear later in the show. And as always, you can find this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. But for now, uh, what are you thinking, Ethan, after that uh, 30 point drubbing to Boston College?
1: It's honestly kind of bittersweet to me. Just because Jimbo Fisher could kind of keep selling the whole we're inches away or we're we're not, you know, we're not that bad. We've just played a tough schedule and and had some close losses kind of card. But you lost 35-3 to to Boston College. So that's kind of out the window. Um, It kind of really, to me, solidifies the fact that major changes had to be made to the program. And I think because of this, it, it has to solidify that and make that kind of a given to Jimbo Fisher heading into this offseason.
0: All right, let's bounce back and forth. Some positives and negatives from this game. I know you got a lot of positives, Ethan, from the okay. old uh, 35-3 to Boston College loss.
1: All right, you want to know my positive? Let's hear your positive. My positive is I think DJ – this is my only positive, is I think DJ Matthews might actually return punts now. Nope. That's my o- Nope. Tavares McFadden listed as a punter returner on this week's depth chart. Yeah, but the depth chart doesn't change. All right. No, I, I and, DJ and,
0: definitely came in at the end, so we'll see.
1: Number and 29, baby. refused to address it to me that that says something. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I think I so, know. too. That's definitely a positive. If, if, if Tavares McFadden is the first one to try that there to return a punt against Syracuse. I think we've said that about seven times already. Probably, but if he does, I mean, I don't know. My my single positive from the Boston College game will be gone, so I'll be a little right. sad there. You're, but I, I still got one for you. You can
0: take oh. mine. Oh, okay. Okay, can... so before this game, I think Jimbo fires like two, three people tops. After this game, five plus. Five okay, plus. I, that, that's what I hit on, so that, yeah. Is that a positive? I, 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 I said that's on... the instant reaction, right? Five?
1: Yeah, I, I said, yeah, five. I think it needs to be five plus now, and, and I'm pretty confident. I don't know if I think he has to. And then I, today, I don't know if it was going to be less than that before, but I definitely think there's a higher chance that it's way more than that yeah, now. Yeah, I agree. So today,
0: also, there were reports. Um, I know Jason Staples reported that, I believe, um, Randy Sanders, Damian Craig, or excuse me, Randy Sanders, um, uh, the quarterback's coach, Lawrence Dossie, the receiver's coach, and um, Tim Brewster, the tight end's coach, will not be retained next next season, whether that's uh, vol- voluntarily on their part or because Jimbo's getting rid of them or a mixture of both is uh, yet to be seen. But, I mean, that's right there. That's three names. You have to assume uh, – I know we've talked about this, Ethan. You have to assume Charles Kelly is not retained, right? Mm-hmm. There's other coaches. Do you want to do you want to just drop the names of the coaches we think will probably not be retained at this I, point? Okay,
1: I, I, think, I think the way we can do it is we can kind of go through positionally and, and say, like, do we think – they're going to be back next year
0: okay let's do that okay i'll i'll just i'll i'll proctor it you ready
1: so quarterbacks has been said it's not gonna be back which is I, I i don't think he's gonna be back and i think there was already it was kind reported of, two two times
0: today by separate yeah
1: people. and i i don't think he's going to be and i think another thing i think that the reason that those three coaches might have been named together is maybe because they were kind of seeking other jobs because because if you talk, Sanders interviewed for the the Jaguars' quarterback coaching position last year, yep, yep. so he was looking for other jobs. Um, Bru- Bruce, Brewster has Texas. a job; he has a job market out there for him. So I, I, I don't blame him. I, it's been kind of talked about that he doesn't necessarily have the greatest relationship with Jimbo sometimes, and so yeah, I mean, with his his kind of skills being in demand uh, in terms of his a- impact on the recruiting trail, I think that there's a You know that there's a market for him, so I think that that's. And what about Dossy? And then Dossy, if you believe the reports in the past, he's had some NFL looks. So there's, I don't know, you know, what the market's going to be like for him, but if he can go seek out an NFL job, I think that's that's a possibility for him. So excellent
0: points on all three. I agree with you. So that covers uh, quarterbacks, tight ends, and uh, wide receivers, which leaves on offense just uh, offensive line coach. Uh, Rick Trickett, do you think the offensive line coach will be retained, Ethan? I think it's an easy, rather easy answer.
1: I, I think no. Uh, yeah, and I know that's what you think too. Um, yeah. His offensive lines just consistently haven't been good enough. If you looked at – like Let's the, hold on. Let's preface, al- let's preface – Was it you before- tweeted about Saxa Loud or was it someone hold else? On. No, it wasn't me. But Let's preface this before we start calling people's
0: jobs. Me and Ethan do not think these people are bad coaches necessarily or bad people. It's just good to get a change, especially an FSU is in dire need for a change in culture right now. You can't trot out the same old uh, coaches that you've heard their message for years and years and years. So, and I also nothing think that- nothing personal against. I think Rick Trickett, the coach, could do well somewhere else. Granted, he won't because he's he's so he's at this point in his career. I think he's done if he's done with FSU just because of his age. But I'm saying like I don't think these coaches are bad coaches or we would be bad anywhere else. Like those three coaches we just mentioned, I think would a lot of teams would like to have those guys. But we're just say we're just referring to: does FSU need to retain them, or do you think mostly? Do you think FSU will retain them? So, so no to Rick Trickett, and and all that's I, left is running backs coach Jay Graham. I who, think
1: he Graham has the best chance to stay on staff out of any of the offensive coaches, and and, and if you think about it, he's done. And his duty, I think he needs to be relieved of his special teams coordinating duties, which I think he's pretty much already been relieved of.
0: Okay, but if season. he was, then what is he doing? Because coaching running backs, and he's he's an above average recruiter, and coaching running backs is supposed to be the easiest position to coach. So if he's just coaching running backs, see, I I, I agree with you. I don't know if I'd necessarily because if you're trying to clean, if you're gonna clean house, and just to keep a a, a be- above average running backs coach and above average possibly average recruiter, I don't think you would clean house and keep him.
1: See, and I agree. I I I don't think I if I was doing it, I don't think I'd keep him, but I think that he has the best chance to stay of the offensive sim- staff. Of the offensive staff simply because his running backs have been consistently pretty good at Florida State. and yeah. Now we see Jock Patrick take a jump this year. So I I don't think you can really find any other than his special teams coordinating job this year was absolutely atrocious. And it has been special teams has consistently gotten worse under Grams and I mean, I don't even know how much he does of it, to be honest, at this yeah. point. I don't think he does hardly any after the way this year started. So I, I think that, to me, you have certain positions on your coaching staff where there's not as much required of them as a coach, per se. And to me, those positions you need to have an ace recruiter in. There's certain there's certain positions that are kind of more suited to having someone who's maybe not as good of a coach but just like a hired gun on the recruiting trail and makes up for the fact that they're not the greatest of coaches by just getting elite talent on campus. For those of you
0: who don't know, I'll say this. uh, FSU staff is currently made of of Jimbo Fisher and nine assistants. Next year, for the 2018 season, the NCAA has changed the rule that there will be 10 assistants. So regardless of how many changes there will be this year, they will also be adding a coach to the staff. FSU staff is currently composed of five offensive uh, coaches, which we just listed, and then also there are four defensive coaches that we'll get into in a second. But first of all, I know Ethan wants to touch on some assistant coaches or quality control assistants that should be should be getting looks for positional coaches. So uh, we can start on the offensive side of the ball. There's two guys I believe Ethan wants to talk about. Do you so want to? Do you
1: want to finish through? Do you want to stay on the offensive side of the ball? Or do you yeah, I'm going to I'm going to stay on the offensive side of the ball because these could be possible replacements for the five people. Okay, the and then we'll just go go to and defense. Then we'll go that go to makes sense. All right, so I think that on the offensive side of the ball, to me, you've got really two to talk about. You've got Damian Craig, who was already on Florida State staff as a quarterbacks coach, and uh, you know, kind of famously recruited Jameis Winston. was a big reason why Jameis Winston ended up at Florida State. So I think he he might get a look. Um, he's kind of an interesting scenario because he coached wide receivers at LSU. So you've got if you if the quarterback job and the wide receiver job opens, you've got which, which reportedly they both will both will it's be worth so, noting. And then you've got Tino Sinceri, who again, to me, could either fill the quarterback or wide receiver job because he played quarterback in college. And but, like, I, I don't think you necessarily have to be a former wide receiver to coach wide receivers, especially if you played quarterback, because you know a lot of their responsibilities. And his dad, and
0: and Tino's dad was the former, uh, def- it was a former defensive assistant for. Um, Jimbo Salson's and he's currently the linebacker's coach for the Raiders. So um, he, he, he was, comes he on, from a good
1: pedigree. So he
0: comes from, I mean, his dad coached at FSU for many years, and now he could coach at FSU. Um, well, he already does coach FSU, but a, a, as a full-time position coach, that's definitely something to look out for. I think one of them definitely gets promoted. I'm not sure if both of them will. Me and Ethan have talked about this. Uh, our concern with Craig is that he's not very loyal, and that if you do promote him to, say, quarterbacks coach he the, the first time he gets an offensive coordinator job i think he bolts
1: and i think ethan agrees and yeah i agree and i think there might be i i don't know i don't i don't i kind of doubt that he actually gets promoted to me talking about craig just because of of what happened in it the seems past his
0: career trajectory was
1: going sky high straight up sky high and then it's kind of I mean, now he's a an a quality. He's, yeah, now he's not even on. He's not even one of the you know on a, field an coaches. an up
0: and coming. He's a great recruiter, but he was an up and coming, uh, coaching star, and it's kind of plummeted. His stocks kind of plummeted. So, so we'll uh, see. It's definitely just interesting to note um, that on that side of the ball. But we can move to defensive side of the ball now. Obviously, let's go straight to the big one, Ethan. Uh, we will go with defensive coordinator Charles Kelly. Um, I have a better player. chance of
1: being employed as Florida State's defensive coordinator okay, so next you year you, than Charles Kelly. So you Kelly have goes. a better
0: chance. What's what type of scheme would you run? Run just out of curiosity.
1: What scheme would I run? Um, yeah. you're running like a I multiple, probably go three with three or, uh, I don't know. Probably a three-four against the the offenses in the ACC. You, you I, like four, keeping, I like I like four the four-three, but
0: are you still keeping the star position on the field in base, or are you gonna are you gonna keep that extra
1: linebacker out there? Keep that extra linebacker, but okay. recruit recruit someone like Rokon Smith. To to okay. play that that extra linebacker position, okay. So so that's Ethan Vaughn, the
0: twenty eighteen. That's his that's his uh, application twenty eighteen de- defensive coordinator Jimbo. Yeah, hit him I, up,
1: unemployed. On, so hit me up, can, Jimbo.
0: You can find him on Twitter at Ethan Vaughn seven ng or something like that. <laughs> I don't even know. All right, but let's go. So so Charles Kelly, we think is definitely out. Honestly, the relationship is just soured at this point. Jimbo really can't trust him to call the deep end. He's kind of got burnt by him so many times over the past three years. Um, We understand Charles Kelly is a great guy. Um, Levante Taylor, uh, sophomore cornerback, says that Charles is the only reason he came to, that Levante came to Florida State. Derwin James and him we know are best friends from the Showtime, uh, a season with show last season. But um, we do expect FSU to have a new face defensive coordinator um, next year. Do you have any prospective defensive coordinator candidates, Ethan? I've heard talk about a possible Alabama defensive defensive backs coach. If you'd like to touch on that,
1: well, yeah, I think Ansley's a, a really clear kind of candidate for me. He's got a really good pedigree, having worked with Saban, having worked with Kirby Smart. I think a little bit, or no, not Kirby Smart. He's worked with Pruitt, obviously. Um, I don't think he was. I ever, he's worked with Stoops as well. He uh, with, like, yeah, he worked before, with Stoops in Kentucky before Alabama, uh, and, and but, to me, that's that's such a strong pedigree. In the eyes of Jimbo, because of the way that Stoops put together really great a couple of really good defenses for Jimbo, and then the fact that Pruitt put together a national championship defense for Jimbo, and they've trusted him to work to work under them. So okay. I think that that's obviously. So has who who was the last defensive coordinator Florida State hired before from out from another program, Ethan? Who was the last one they hired from another program? Pruitts. Okay. What what was Pruitt's position? He was the defensive backs coach at Alabama. What is Ansley? The defensive backs coach at Alabama. Oh, so it makes sense.
0: Okay. Yeah, this, it does.
1: Especially definitely. when you consider that 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 Jimbo puts so much emphasis on coming from the Sabin the Sabin tree Absolutely. of coaching. Especially so,
0: coming from Stoops as well doesn't hurt.
1: Because yeah. I know Jimbo would
0: love stoops back at DC if he could get him. I would
1: definitely take him too. I think that was um, another name too that that got brought up was DJ Elliott as a possible defensive coordinator yep. candidate, but who is is he still at Kentucky? I don't even know, but I know he left. so, with stoops to Kentucky. So, okay, so
0: defensive coordinator, uh, we believe will leave. Uh, Bill Miller, the linebackers coach, Ethan Vaughn.
1: I don't think Bill Miller has necessarily done a horrible, horrible job, but I also don't think it's been good. I think some of the the issues you see at linebacker are simply like the players don't don't have it mentally to kind of to to succeed. Um, but I, I think Bill Miller has to go simply because a linebacker is one of those positions that, that I previously hit on where you don't you, – you need some from a coach, but you don't need a whole, whole lot. And I think you need to have an elite recruiter at the linebacker, manning the linebacker position, and I, Bill Miller is not that. So uh,
0: I agree that if, you, if you're going to get rid of five or six people on the staff, you you don't do that to keep Bill Miller. Um, yeah, and no. I think I think he's getting close to retirement, anyways.
1: So it would be maybe an amicable breakup at this point. At, at this point, exactly. At this point in time, Florida State, when you're talking about going through and replacing coaches, they don't necessarily. If you if you think you can hire somebody who's a wash with what you currently have, you have to let that person go just because of the change in culture that's needed. And it's not even that that
0: Bill Miller, or whoever brings a bad culture, it's just a different culture that will be fresh in the it, players' minds. Exactly. So. Um, let's go. To the defensive defensive line. There's two defensive line coaches. So the defensive tackle coach, Odell Hagan's, who I believe is untouchable. Um, he, is. he was he was at Florida State when my dad was there as a player. So, um, I think he's a he's a Florida State legend at this point. He's a great defensive tackles coach. All the players love him. He's a great great recruiter. Probably the most underrated recruiter on Florida State staff. Um, so I think he stays for sure. I think he's the one person, if you ask me, who's the most likely to stay stay on staff. I would say uh, defensive tackle coach Odell Higgins. Do you agree, Ethan?
1: Yeah, I I think for sure that that Hagen's is safe. His defensive tackles have been pretty good this year. It's kind of trended down. I think no they're recently, I think they're the
0: one of the only positions who have given consistent effort through a bad season.
1: I agree. I agree with that. And and Demarcus Christmas has actually shown. He's improved this year a lot. So. I agree. So, and That's then I also ones.
0: think this might be an unpopular opinion, but I also think hey, uh, Brad Long stays. Jimbo just had his like just hired him, uh, I guess, two seasons ago now. So, I don't see him get, getting rid of him. I think Brad Long's a lot better coach than he gets credit for. Um, I think uh, he's, he gets ra- rave reviews from players and. Um, I've heard that Jimbo thinks very highly of him, so I would not be surprised. I think people are just like assuming that he's going to leave, but I would not be surprised to see both defensive, uh, defensive end, uh, defensive end, and defensive tackle coaches at Florida State next season. What do you okay, think? here's
1: here's a little like I don't know twist on this. I, I agree with you. I think Long is capable. I I think he's a good defensive ends coach, but some of these kind of rumors that have that have talked about kind of. Uh, a little bit of, of I don't know what you want to call it, fighting w- within the coaching staff. But if you think kinda, he's
0: not going to be there, ne- the, the rest of the staff isn't going to be there next year. I I, I uh, thought about that I, before I answered. But if the rest of the coaching staff isn't going to be there, I don't think necessarily, unless Jimbo thinks Long is the problem, I don't think he leaves necessarily.
1: That, that's the thing. I think it's just going to be I – I don't think Jimbo will fire Long. I think it's going to be a Long decision if he ends up leaving. I think okay. it might be. I think he might be. I, I actually s- spoke to Long this summer, and he and he talked about, and he said he wanted to coach for five more years. So I don't know if he's to the point of retiring. But a oh. season like this can kind of you know change change things. So I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I think that ultimately, if it if it was me, I, I would be fine with Long staying. Um, his defensive ends have underperformed this year, but I think it might be a personnel Uh, sweat has looked good, but I I just, I I think it might be a personnel issue on the other, on the other side. Um, Long's weird. He's such a divisive figure, um, for the record, the track record that he has, he's, he's, you know, people have really divisive opinions on him. So I I don't know. It's, it's interesting thing. I I think you might be able to hire someone that's similar in, in capacity to him, but, I'd be fine with him staying. Um the only thing I agree, that, especially because he's kind of fresh already. Like he's not yeah he hasn't been there for forever. He's been there for two seasons. Um, the only thing he could get, improve is, I, I don't know. As you get older in college, um, your recruiting tends to take a hit because you don't want to have to deal with the kind of the antics of yep. high school kids. So I, 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 that might be the only argument I can make for, I guess cutting ties with long is getting a younger guy in there who's going to be more willing to to kind of recruit. And be a dog on the trail, but that's about it. And then one uh, assistant uh, quality control, however you want to shadow staff,
0: whatever you want to uh, term them as. One one coach on defense that is worth noting is uh, Addison Lynch, who some of my people tell me that even before this before this debacle of a season that he was going to be promoted um, as the tenth coach to even out the staff at five offensive and five defensive. Uh, assistant coaches so definitely a a name to keep an eye out on i'm not sure how this season has changed that um but i do think that it's a possibility that addison lynch gets promoted from within to one of the five spots and i'm not sure necessarily where he would coach i don't think it would be on the line it would either be
1: defensive backs or possibly i think linebackers linebackers would be the position if he takes one One, but i i I ultimately don't think that's going to happen okay yeah we'll see based on what i've heard this season i don't think I don't think that's going to happen, but it's it's I guess a possibility. Just something to keep an eye on. Okay,
0: so one thing that I know you want to talk about, Ethan, is what are your thoughts on? So if people have thrown around this interesting, I guess it's interesting hypothetical. So FSU fi- doesn't instead of firing Charles Kelly, FSU demotes him to linebackers coach and special teams court, uh, coach, where
1: he was in t- 2013. What are your thoughts on that, Ethan? see, I, I think that that Kelly is capable of filling that role at a pretty high level. Um, my problem is 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 with a guy that's kind of had so much negative I, I mean, some of the fans flat out hate the dude. so I, I just don't think it'd be healthy for for him to stay on. I, don't, I' you know, just his personal life. I don't think it'd be healthy for him to stay on. Um, I, I think it's just better to get some new blood in there, even though I think he could be successful in, in that role, I think it's just better to to move on.
0: I agree to you. I agree with you while while it's good to have or I don't know while it's good to have some some a coach that you know has succeeded in that role, I always think it, it might be better to have a coach that you know kids will be a hundred percent bought into because it's a new a new person and a new person that you have to prove yourself to. So I think ultimately it's better to let go of Kelly, although that is an interesting scenario. All right, now for his second time on here, the Spear, we have former Florida State defensive lineman and national champion, Jacoby McDaniel. How's it going, Jacoby?
2: What's up? How you doing, man? Pretty good, pretty good. Can't complain.
0: Good to hear from you again. Uh, Florida State just had probably their worst loss of the Jimbo Fisher era. On Friday night so I just want to get your initial thoughts from Florida State Boston College what did you what did you think watching it were you absolutely disgusted as a former player or where do you stand on that game what were your thoughts
2: uh to be honest man I'm gonna be uh honest um I was disgusted um and not because of the game plan but it was just the body language man like I always say like I go back from game one to now it's just the sideline was dead. No one was up. No one had that fight in them. It would just seem like the guys were just out there going through the motion, man. And every time you put on a Florida State uniform, you know, it's it's that type of pride that you just carry on the field, that type of swag that you just carry on the field, man, that you have to play the game. You know, you have to play the game with, with fire up of you behind, man, you know, to say the least. And for those guys to come out like that, man, not only – um, they, they disrespect or just downright just let all of us former players down, man. They let down the fans as well, man. I know sometimes teams don't go out there and play for the fans or they say this and say that, man. But as Florida State, man, our fan base is just different, man. You know, everyone just loves Florida State. So for them to go out there and just play like that, man, it just, you know, kind of um, had me on edge a little bit, man. I I really didn't like what I um, witnessed from the game versus
0: Boston college. And Jimbo said after the game, Jacoby said um, that the former players, some former players contacted him. Have you heard anything from the former guys you played with your teammates about this team? And what are they saying to you? What are you guys talking about? Cause I know you guys are probably upset um, about what you guys built being kind of ruined right now.
2: Right. Right. Uh, but you know, some of those guys are in the season as well. So they really can't pay attention to The season, as much as I can pay attention to it. But, um, you know, like, guys, um, I'm always talking to Greg Reed, man. You know, man, Greg, we always stay in contact. Um, I've been knowing Greg way before we even came to college. So um, it was something like, man, Greg, you know, we just some, um, like, brothers, man. And, you know, we just discuss things. And I tell him about, you know, I don't know about the DBs and what my opinions are. And he give me his opinions on um, the DBs and everything. And it's just, man – it's no dog, man. And every time I say something, you know, like talk to one of the former players or one of my former teammates about the current team that we have right now, they don't have that dog in there. And you can see it. I don't care what nobody say. They do not have that dog in there. I don't care what coach come out and say they got the dog. They don't have it in them. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to say it. Um, Everyone witness it. I don't care if you have a high school coach that's out there coaching five-star players, man that's out there coaching talented players. If those players can police one another, and what I mean by police one another, man, is be accountable for each other's actions. Don't let one player come out here and slack. That's one thing that Tevin Smith done so well, man. Not as on the defensive side. He done on the offensive side. He told the guys on the offense to hustle. He told the guys on the defense to hustle. He told the guys on special teams to hustle. So it wasn't like just one side of the ball. He told the hustle. Just like um, when I was out there... In the practice during camp time, you know, I told those guys, man, encourage the office alignment because if you don't encourage the office alignment, then you know, um, without the office aligned, there's no chance you all will win. So don't let the outside negativity or wh- whomever it is, it can be me. If if y'all think I'm negative, don't let whatever people say come between y'all in this locker room. It's a brotherhood, and once you get that brotherhood and you get that understanding that this guy right here is my brother and I'm going to do any and everything to protect him, to protect his side, and vice versa, then who can beat you? You know, it's a great chance that you won't be beat, man. But I know if you don't prepare like that, you darn sure ain't going to be, you know, like, man, it's it's an even greater chance that you'll lose the game, man. But those guys, they just, you know, it's it's still a lot of football left in this season. And I know um, the playoffs, that's not the picture. Now those guys are fighting for um, a bowl game, man. Florida State has the longest bowl game in college football history, you know. So now we're gonna
1: see how much pride they have. And Jacoby, talking out. about so- talking about pride, when when you're going and you're playing defense, and you've been playing defense your whole life, I'm pretty sure. If if you don't believe in the offense, like being able to back you up, how hard is it to stay motivated as a defense? When you when you know it's your not offense even is that. kind
2: of struggling, right, right, right. It's not even that the offense is struggling. As a defensive player, as a defensive person, as a defensive uh, mindset, you always have to go out there and think about dominating because defense can change the game. Defense can go out there and score points. Offense can't, you know, stop um, the defense. But as far as a defense, a defense can stop a team from scoring. And they can also put points on the board themselves. So as a defense, you always got to have that mindset. Every game we come out here, man, we're going to dominate this game. I don't care who it is. I don't care who we playing. I don't care who's lined up in front of me. That's the type of mindset they have to get right now. If the coach say play cover two, that was one of Coach Mickey's main, um, you know, his main defense, cover two. Everybody knew what defense it was. But the thing about it was those guys back in the day, man, they had that mindset. They had that attitude. I don't care. I'm coming right at you. I'm letting you know. I'm standing right here. It's up to you to stop me. It's 10 other, you know, SOBs out here that's ready to get the same thing that I'm trying to get. And I'm trying to take a body with me. That's the type of mindset they got to have, man. Don't, Even if uh, they don't have it.
0: got I have a question. So, Derwin in 2015 looked like an absolute dog, like you like to talk about, like, uh, I mean, he kind of defined dog in 2015 to step in as a freshman and do as much as he did. And last year on the sidelines, he was in all the players' ears all game. It seemed like he was more uh, more happy to be like on the sideline leading than it looked like any of the players were, except like maybe Demarcus Walker and stuff, on the field. So how does a guy like that turn from, uh, I would say, an absolute dog in 2015 and a, and a great leader from the sideline from an injury in 2016? To like somebody who you can't really, you don't even really see leading on the field. Does that have to do with the people in around him not buying in, or the coach is not letting him lead? What, what, what is that in your eyes?
2: Oh no, trust me, trust me. What a what a would a caliber player like Derrick James. If he wanted to lead, Jimbo would step out the way and let him lead. At times, Jimbo, you know, can kind of I won't say get beside himself in a bad way, but if any player wants to lead, he will not get in the way to stop them from lead. As a freshman, Darwin felt like he had something to prove, you know, even as a freshman. So that's what he did. He went out there, and he played his best football. So he became, you know, freshman All-American. He 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 got that big name. Sophomore year, he got hurt. So I guess people on the outside are whomever it is that's in his ear saying, you know, man, everybody know who you are. So, you know, this this year, I hate to tell you, but take it easy a little bit. That's what I'm thinking. Take it easy.
0: Yeah, don't get hurt uh, for the drafts or whatever.
2: Yeah, don't don't get hurt because he's like a top five, top ten pick. So, to the sense of that, who can really blame him for that? You know, I can't blame him for that because i never been in a position like that. And nowadays, that's the norm. Guys not even playing in um, bowl games because they're trying to avoid getting injured. And, you know, so I can't blame him for that, but... I, I would have liked to see him, like, bring the guys around him to his standards. You guys around me play like me, have the attitude like me. I don't care if people can say what they want to say on the outside. If somebody's not doing something, get up in their face, tell the coach, take them off. You know, tell the coach, take them out. I can't play defense with him. It's either he come out or I come out because I can't play with him because I can't trust him. And you think a high-caliber player, if Derwin wants to speak up like that, you think the coach is going to listen to him? Of course they'll listen to him, man. They'll listen to him. So I think he just got in his mind that he was just – he's just worried about himself right now. And sometimes, you know, um, guys have to be selfish, man, to get where they want to go. And, I mean, from the outside, we may not agree with it, but I don't know what type of financial situation he's in, his family in, man. So, you know, at the end of the day, um, I just wish him the best, man. But I just wish, you know, he, he could – he can he can be that leader, man, and 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 um lead the team. And I guess, man, just um make plays when the plays come his way. And you know, some people play the game because they love it, and some play it, you know, for the financial um, part. So I don't know what it's the thing that's is, weird but... to
1: me about that though is that Derwin's always been kind of talked about as a guy who plays it for the love of the game, like you just talked about. Because you know the way that, that he's been portrayed as a recruit, kind of kind of just had those stories told about him to where he you know he loved Florida State and, and he loved football and how he played you know in his seven on seven teams he he was he played both ways he played both ways a little bit in high school and just like a, just talked about as a guy who kind of loved football so it's interesting to I guess see him kind of making a, a, a little bit of a, a financial decision maybe. Um, this year, kind of, kind of the way that he, that he's playing,
2: right? And 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 I'm not saying that he's well. I'm saying he's making it, but that's my opinion. You get what I'm saying? Like you can just tell it. I can. I mean, from the way he's playing, that's what I sense. Because from his freshman year, he was a dog, just like you say, man. He was a dog, man, all over the field, everything, you know. Um, plays play playing the box, coming off the line, strong, showing everything, running down plays. Um, interceptions, um, you know, um, pass knocking balls down everything, man. So now he just, you know, he just out there kind of, I won't say, I, I won't say lackadaisical, but he's like going through the motion somewhat, you know, I don't go- think he's made one, 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 like one big play yet this, this season and it's in game seven. So, uh, you know,
0: I don't know. You're absolutely right. Um, so for, we've talked to you and some of the other players, about um, we talked to you and some of the other players about Telvin Smith kind of going from, I mean, he was always a, a dog, but kind of going from overnight to the just the best leader on the team. So I, what do you think sparked that? And is that something a coach can help facilitate? Or is that just him just finally deciding to turn it on? How does that happen? Um, How does that
2: work? I, I, um, uh man, when you, when you love something so much in life and it gets taken away from you, and there's nothing you can do about it. And then, um, you know, for a week or two, when something gets taken away from you, man, that you love so much, and then you see that there's nothing you can do, and once you get that opportunity back, or, uh, you know, like this second chance, how you gonna uh, fulfill it? Are you gonna talk about it? Or are you gonna be about it? Kelvin always had that football dog in him. You know, he always had that football dog. Don't get me wrong, football dog, he always had that. He from Lounge. Those guys from Lounge, they love football. He always had that in him. But his off the field issues, his off the field actions spoke another, you know, spoke another language. So what he did was he matched his off the field actions with his on the field actions. And what I mean by that was like how he make plays on the field, how he was a dog on the field, how he went about everything on the field professionally, he did that off the field. Overnight, professionally, he knew Tim and um, Tim was never, you know, a going out type guy. This and that. He never made those type of decisions. But other things, he knew that he couldn't do no more. He didn't. He, he didn't do that. He made that sacrifice. He brought in. He made that change overnight. And not only that, he became that vocal leader. He was always vocal, but he became that vocal leader. Like if he see someone walking, even if you're walk on, he gonna yell at you. He gonna make you. He's going to hold you accountable for your actions. It's not like he just did the guys like that who always played the game or the guys who played. No, nah, he made those walk-ons feel special too because if a leader on the team, not yelling, but telling the walk-on, come on, man, we need you too. Why are you walking on the field? Why you doing – that made them guys feel special. And then those guys are going to practice hard, man, to make us better. And, and that's what happened. So he made everybody on that team feel special, not only the players that played the game, all that dressed out Saturday, and everybody that played. He made those guys feel special from walk-ons, the third string, second string, first string. He didn't care who he was.
0: So That's I don't know if you ever, I don't know if you ever experienced this at FSU during your time there, Jacoby. But there have been reports of coaches fighting openly and like getting in disagreements about like I've coaches not that. not I, trusting each other. I've also, another that. report. Was that a coach or two walked out of practice? Uh so you never saw that FSU? The the coaching staff always. I never he in my there? life I I
2: never in my life seen coaches fight, fuss, none of that. I never in six years and when I go back, I I never seen that. Never. I don't know what player said that. I don't I mean, if it's gone to that point, man, then that's that's bad. You know, that's really horrible. But I doubt it, man. The type of guy Jimbo Wills, it's no way Jimbo let some coaches come out there and disrespect that fo- football feel like that in those players. It's no way he'll let that happen. And they still on that coaching staff. I don't I don't think it'll happen, man. You know, I I, I never seen it. I never, never in my time at Florida State, I never seen that. It, especially walking out. Jimbo's a man that loves football, you know. And and um just like I tell people, man, my last season, the year we won when we won it all, Jimbo didn't even fuss at us. Because I guess he saw how mature the team was. He said, since y'all want to act like wrong, man, I'm going to treat y'all like wrong, man. That Boston College when we was down, you know, he didn't go in the locker room fussing and doing a. No, nah, he, you know, don't act like wrong, man. I'm going to treat y'all. like. And he just started talking to us. Okay, we got to do this. We right there. You know, like we got to come out and do this. If we do this and do that, you know, execute here and there, we'll be up. Second half, we came out with there. The championship game, the same thing. We was down. He didn't fuss at us. He didn't do anything. He, Hey, we right where we want to be. We done took their best shot. Now come back, and we're going to do this, do that, blah, 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 blah. And we came back and we won, man. And I think that's what happened with the these kids now. They don't know how to take that. I think they kind of taking that. They have taken advantage of that, if if you know what I'm saying. Okay, he ain't fussing to, you know, doing doing his usual um, getting on the QB type of um, coaching. You know what I'm saying? And so so how do you- I guess they take
0: how do you think they take that into, into Syracuse, though? Because obviously you did. nobody expected them to get absolutely blown out against Boston College, who Jimbo had never lost to. So do you think they bounce back against Syracuse, or do you think it's too much of a lost cause at this point? Because I don't see how no, I think- this team from Friday that didn't look like anybody wanted to really be there uh, often scored three points against a, a team that had a, a, a rushing defense that had been terrible all year that we couldn't rush the ball at all. We had like fifty yards rushing against. I don't understand how a team comes back from that. What do you want to elaborate on that?
2: You know what, man, um
0: I think obviously was, this is like uncharted uh, territory, right? I don't think you ever experienced correct, it either.
2: Correct, correct, correct. And 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 um I, I can understand people's um you know doubt about this game, this this upcoming game versus Syracuse, just like you say Boston College. Defense being kinda um sucked all season and we go in there and and couldn't move the ball. But just like I say, man, it's about pride. Can't none of us on the outside say what's going to happen or we can project what's going to happen. You know, we, we can give our strong opinion, but it's up to those guys that's dressing out in those uniforms, man. When those guys finally become together and they see, you know, a brotherhood and we're brothers, man, and can't nothing come between us, and now they have to play for pride. You know, do you want to be the first team in over 50-some years to be known as, you know, that team that had a losing season at Florida State University? Florida State is is not known to have a losing season. So in 10 years, when they have that reunion, do they want to be recognized as as that team to have that losing season? You know, just like when um Jimbo always used to tell us, how do you want to be remembered, man, in 10 years? You know, when you come back on that reunion, how do you want to be remembered? Do you want to come back and be like that '93, '99 team? Well, now, or do you want to come back and just be like another team? That's what he, you know, he he would tell us all the time before the season. So, shit, we want to be like the '99, '93 team. So we made that a goal, and we knew, in order for us, in order for that to happen, we had to buy in. We had we had to take all that selfishness out the way. Um, you know, man, I went from a starter to, what, uh, backing someone up. And it was, you know, um, injuries and all this and that. But the guy who was in front of me wasn't no slacker. So I can respect that, you know. But when I came in, I I, I done my job. It, it, it was just like, okay, now that I'm in, first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter, it didn't matter. It was pride. I'm coming out here playing for pride. I'm not going to let nobody do me any, any type of way. And not only myself, but everybody had that mindset, you know. So those guys, that's. That's the type of mindset they gotta have, man. That five star, four all that. When you, the first day you step put on college, man, all that is out the window. That's that's what got you here. Now it's time to earn a name, you know, while you're here. Because all those guys are five stars, man, four stars, and they haven't been playing like it, you know. To be honest, none of them. None of them. Nobody on that team. No, nobody. Not not one person.
1: There's not, yeah, I agree. There's not been one single person who's played love. to their talent.
2: Yeah, they, they don't, they don't, they don't have that love, man, that attitude. And for the younger guys, man, it's I, I know they probably they want to lead so bad, man, but they don't know where to start because the older guys didn't show them, show them the way. The older guys didn't give them that standards. You know, the older guys didn't write the laws down for them basically when they, when they got there. So that's why. I made that comment I made after the Boston College game. During the game, you had you didn't see one older guy get in the face of nobody. From the defense to the offense, special team, you you didn't see not one person get in the face of nobody. You didn't see one person on the sideline trying to get the team hyped early on in the game. Later in the game, you know it was, but the game was already over with when some of the younger guys wanted to start talking, but you can tell they want to leave, but they don't know where to start at. Mm-hmm. You know, for I sure. need, you know, you know, just, 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 just be a leader. That's what I tell them. If you want to be a leader, man, just, hey, however you think it, whatever it takes to lead, just lead. Because the older guys, man, they out there going through the motion. And I never seen no college football team with older guys on the team where they just don't give a damn. And these guys look like they don't give a damn, man. And that's what hurts me a lot. You know what I'm saying, man? And and not only me, probably the guys before me. Because just like I said, this is the only thing I have now. I don't have football no more. I didn't think football would be over for me this fast. But during my time at Florida State, man, I broke my leg. You know what I'm saying? I had like five, six surgeries. I gave my all to that. I gave my all to football at Florida State to get Florida State back where it used to be. And when I left, not only myself, but all of us, we did. And we left. Florida State and high standards, but now it seems like guys can just come in there and just do what they want to do. But that's not how that's not how it's supposed to be, man. You know, that's not how it's supposed to be, and they know that. That's not how it's supposed to be. Hopefully, Jimbo start recruiting guys to where they know football is the only thing for me right now. You know, they breathe, eat, and sleep football, and I, if they yeah. don't make the best of football then it's back, you know, it's back to square one, man. It's 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 back to, you know, the type of living they don't want to go in, man. So those guys, man, they really need to get it together, man. They they really need to take that pride and, you know, like look at themselves in the mirror, man, because a lot of them not gonna make it to the next level with the way they playing. I don't care if they get drafted first round. But 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 the type of way they they plan and they carrying themselves, man, it's not gonna happen unless they change that.
0: Yeah, me and Ethan, I know I agree with you, Jacoby, wholeheartedly as far as the uh, the no dog on the team and and really no no true leaders on this team. Um,
2: as... Not at all. I I never seen that man. You know, uh, my time at um, my sophomore year and my my yeah my sophomore year, junior year, we had some leaders, but they only wanted to lead when we was in front. But my but my senior year, my last season, we had leaders throughout everything, and that's what made a difference. You know, my sophomore, junior year, we just had front-runner leaders. When everything was good, oh, yeah, they, they, you know, they was up. They wanted to lead, do this, and do that. But when things was bad, it was nobody to lean on or was, ain't nobody want to take the blame or, you know, anything like this, Include myself. You know, I was at fault, too. Include myself. But the guys my last year, everybody was a leader, man. And that's what separate that 2013 team from any team I've ever been a part of. Everybody was, was a leader. Everybody wanted to take responsibility, not only the good, but the bad as well. you know. And we corrected that as a team.
1: It was great talking with you, Jacoby. Definitely agree with a lot you had to say. Uh, I definitely think that, that there just seems to be a general lack of, of just playing to, to your physical talent on this team for whatever that reason may be. And uh, hopefully that gets turned around. But that being said, it was great having you on. We really appreciate it. Second time on in the last month. It's great talking with you as usual. And yeah, thanks, so, uh, Jacoby. Definitely, definitely one of the best players as far as giving
0: insight into the program. Uh, free to talk your mind as always, and you definitely make some good points. So thank you. Uh, thanks for having. Uh, thanks for coming on.
2: No problem. No problem.
0: No problem. Go Knowles. Let's get it on. Let's get it on uh, Saturday against Syracuse. Get the 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 train yes, back sir. on the tracks. That's pride.
1: I think we can kind of get into some discussion, maybe about some like out topics outside the program right now. Um, uh, just just some quick hitters. Kelvin Benjamin was traded to the Buffalo Bills today. Um, the I think the Bills gave up a third and a seventh back to Carolina. So, yeah. I, I, w- do you have any opinion on uh, what you think that means for Kelvin and his NFL career?
0: Yeah, I think this immediate. First of all, I think this immediately makes Kelvin Benjamin the number one threat. In in Buffalo, which I think he also was in Carolina, but just that's worth noting because the only guy they currently have there is the guy from uh, the Eagles that the Jordan Matthews is the only other sort of big name guy in Buffalo right now. So I think Calvin Benjamin is immediately as number one receiver on that depth chart, just like he was in Carolina. And I also think especially this year, and it's certainly trending this way, that Tyrod Taylor has been a better quarterback than Cam Newton. Hey, I don't know about that. Oh, okay. Except he 100 percent has. Look at the look at the stats. Look at the production. Look at PFF, okay, the look production at anything you want. Yeah, production? Look at anything you want. Look
1: at it. Let's look at it right okay, now. Uh, we, we'll ta- Let's look at it right okay. now. My thing is simply from a yards basis, when you're talking about receiving yards, um, Cam has put up 240 yards a game and and Tyrod's about 50 yards lower than that at about 190 a game. He's only passing for 190 yards a game. Now, I don't think it's because he's a bad quarterback, I just think it's a run first proposition in Buffalo for the most part I don't think he's made he hasn't made any mistakes and and who knows bringing Kelvin in may allow them to be a more pass oriented offense and may he may draw those targets but I I don't think that I I, right off the bat I'd say that specifically having Tyrod Taylor as your quarterback right now is like a a, 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 is a lot better of a situation for a wide receiver
0: the what I'll what I'll point to is that Tyrod has thrown two interceptions and Cam has thrown 11 So I know that that doesn't necessarily have to do with production. But as far as sustaining and finishing drives, um, I think Tyrod Taylor is better suited, especially that now in the red zone they have an option to go to. So I think um, that number could certainly shoot up. But I'm excited for Kelvin. I think he could definitely succeed in Buffalo. Buffalo is a lot better than people thought they would be going into the season. But uh, what's the next topic you got there, Ethan, your quick hitter?
1: uh we kind of talk about i mean it look, really looked like Jameis and, and the bucks were poised to take that next step after i think it was a nine and seven season last year it looked like they were they were going to take the next step and kind of become a playoff contender and here we are and they're two and five just like florida state so how about that for symmetry but um yeah. uh, i don't know like what's your take what do you think's the problem in tampa do you think Jameis is, has somewhat like underperformed this year I think J- Jameis has underperformed to a small degree. But I agree with that. I don't
0: think I don't think he is the pro- the problem at all with the team right now. Um, and, and you know,
1: I, I kind of found myself thinking like like what's wrong with Jameis? And I really started to to kind of look at the stats and, and and Jameis has been pretty good this year, but he's still making those sometimes he's still making those boneheaded decisions. It's not as frequent, but he still makes some decisions like like what are you doing, Jameis?
0: You know well, which I think this is worth noting to every single listener on on the show, because they will absolutely. Uh, this is a mind blowing stat that they said uh, during the Bucks game on Sunday. Do you know what Jameis' numbers are inside the red zone in his career, Ethan?
1: No, he has. Oh yeah, it's forty one touchdowns to one interception,
0: forty and forty eight if you include. He has seven rushing touchdowns. Rushing as well. touchdowns. So forty eight touchdowns in one interception in the red zone. Is that ridiculous? That or is. What? The red zone is where the red zone's where a lot of mistakes happen because the windows are much smaller because you have a twelfth defender, which is the back of the end zone. So safeties don't have to play as far downfield. They can cheat up, just takes away passing angles. Secondly, in the red zone, you're forced to make quicker decisions because of that. And it's more often more dire like scenarios where you need to score to take the lead or to to end the game or however however you want to look at it. But you're less likely to take sacks and stuff like that. So I mean that is just a mind blowing statistic, especially from a guy who is more or less a little bit turnover prone.
1: Yeah, and and I agree. I think I think some of his they they struggled in the red zone a little a little bit this year. It wasn't necessarily interceptions. He's missed some throws down there. So I don't I don't think he's necessarily I as think- I think – sorry to interrupt you. I think the biggest problem with Jameis this year, you just reminded me, is that he doesn't seem to be
0: able to hit Deshaun Jackson deep or anybody for that matter. But, like, it, his, his deep, deep ball, ball yeah. is just not consistent. It's not where you need it to be. Exactly. So, I mean, I'm not ragging on Jameis. I think he's still one of the best quarterbacks of the future of the NFL. But it's just something interesting to note, and I'm sure a lot of people who listen to this are Bucks fans, or if they're not, they pay attention to the Bucks like I do uh, because of Jameis. No, uh, I,
1: his deep ball accuracy is something that's been – Kind he of definitely, a he problem.
0: Yeah, Alex Smith. Just to to note, has I mean, this season has been night and day with deep accuracy. So that's something you definitely can improve. Hopefully, it um, doesn't
1: take until like his what? Hopefully, 11, it doesn't take you in the league. Care that. All right, but, last,
0: um, yeah. last topic I want to talk about, Ethan, and I think this could be misconstrued as us making fun of or just talking about the Gators just to talk about a rival. But I think this actually has a lot of implications when it comes to Florida State. And it, so, it always
1: does. It always so, does.
0: Jim McElwain, out at UF. Not only is he out, he's out for nine million dollars less of a buyout than they would is have. Is that had what to pay the him. official is that and what I, the official number that, was? If I believe ESPN report I believe ESPN reported it that it was nine million. So if that report's true, it's eight was, or nine million that they saved because Jim McElwain, if you guys didn't know, said that he was receiving him and his players were receiving death threats, but he didn't care to give any further details to the university. Which was, I believe, a violation of his contract, which allowed them to not only terminate him, but terminate him with cause. they did, did I don't think own.
1: they terminated him with cause. They haven't done how, that. but then what, how did what they, they get did the he ba- he basically accepted a, a lower buyout so, so that they he, didn't termi- terminate him with cause. Not not officially. yeah. so they okay, did, so, he, so he didn't have to go to court and fight that whole battle about about terminating with cause and all that stuff. So he, so he, he basically made a nine he had, he had a nine million dollar screw up on the podium. Basically. I thought they owed him 12. Was I, Am I
0: wrong? I think they do, and I think they only had to pay him, ended up settling for three or four. But oh. let's talk about the implications for Florida State because that's what really matters here. So Florida State is in a downward spiral right now. Nobody denies that. Recruiting will be affected this season, no matter who FSU hires. At. If FSU hires the best position coach in every country, they're still not going to have a top five class this year just because they won't. Right now, nobody's interested in coming to Florida State. You know, you know what I'm saying? No top guys mm-hmm. are looking, looking to come to Florida State. So there's – once the season ends in, in – well, I say FSU ends in, Dece- in December – or no, excuse me, in in November unless they make up that game because they're not making a bowl game it doesn't look like at this point. And we'll give our predictions for the Syracuse game in a second. But I don't think they make a bowl game. So their season going to end in November, the end of November, or the first week of December. Then they're going to have to wait for everybody else's Seasons 10, which typically when you hire coaches, you hire coaches that have made bowl games. <laughs> so you're going to have to wait for their Seasons 10, which is the beginning of January or the end of December. So you're going to have to hire a whole new staff at the beginning of January,
1: which leaves After you... After exactly, the early signing period. Which leaves,
0: which leaves you... First of all, you miss out on the early signing period, which is a good point, Ethan. But also, you have one month until every single player picks their college. So how many players are you going to convince in one month that the culture is completely changed and... I know you didn't get to official visit here during the season, or haven't been interested in us up until this point, but come here—it's not going to work that well. So I—we talked about this last week. It'll be close to see if they get a top-10 class just off the brand and the excitement around a new staff. But we'll see if they can do it. Um, and at this point, it does not help that UF can hire Scott Frost, Dan Mullen, Willie Taggart, who said he wasn't interested today. There's a report.
1: Might be a bargaining chip, but we'll see. Well,
0: exactly. Like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna count him out. I do think that um, he might wait a little bit longer at Oregon to see what he's got going on over there. I don't think he dim- initially jumps back this fast. We'll see, though. I mean, he's a great recruiter, and he's from the state of Florida, so it would make sense. But um, Willie Taggart, uh, Dan Mullen, uh, Scott Frost, the UCF coach who was at um, Oregon under Chip Kelly and Mark Heinrich or whatever that guy's name is. Um are there any other big the Memphis coach so so Florida basically has the, their pick of the litter cuz I don't think there's another job in the market right now that's going to be better than them uh Tennessee is the only other big program job and that's not a better job than a uh, uh, coach the University of Florida so it'll be interesting it's definitely not good for FSU that, that at the same time Florida's getting their pick of the litter of head coaches that FSU's struggling so Florida's about to get no matter who they hire, they're about to get a big bump in their recruiting because Jim McElwain was Florida State's second-best coach behind Jimbo Fisher. He,
1: he because, might have been def- he might have been FSU's best coach. Might have been FSU's
0: best coach because he – First of all, he never scored a touchdown versus FSU. And never – I don't think he won a head-to-head recruiting battle. The only one – because he won something this season, I think, this offseason,
1: but he never signed him because he got fired. So I, uh, I agree. I, I think it's that like, you so can the, debate what, like – who the hire is going to be and how good they're going to be. But uh, throwing all that out of the window because you have no idea yeah, what these guys are matter. going to do. They, they are immediately, as every program does when you hire a new head coach, they are immediately going to have a recruiting bump. And it seems like their their class, their current class, which is pretty good, is is sort of sticking together. Now we'll, oh, we'll see. see. We'll, see. we'll that, see. That may or may not occur. That's so, before they lose – about four or five or out of these last six games. Exactly. So, so you got some. You know that may or may not happen, but they're obviously going to bring in whoever you know, pretty much their pick of the litter, at at head coach, and hopefully, like it has the last couple times, it doesn't work out. If you're looking at it from a Florida State's fan perspective, but I think right now Florida State has to be in real concern because you look at it. Miami's right now top ten in the country, undefeated, beat you this year, albeit on a fluky play, but recruits don't. You know, no, my, Miami beat Jonah Fluky play. That wasn't fluky, not uh, not not fluky, but like last minute, it wasn't okay. total domination or yeah, whatever. Okay, yeah, but that but fluky was fluky. probably yeah fluky was probably the, the wrong word to use, but just just kind of they they beat you and it was it wasn't a beatdown, but still that Florida State better beat Florida. I know it's not going to mean
0: much, but it'll mean a little it, bit. for no, that, will, that it, last it, it, recruiting, exactly. that last recruiting little bump that we can have. Well, hey, look. We're we're firing the coaches. We beat Florida. We got the cult. Yeah, that helps, especially when you're recruiting people from Florida. Cause I'm not sure they'll be able to pull people from Texas and Virginia this year, when they can't even win five games. So with that being said, Ethan, I we we chose not to preview the Syracuse game because I, at this point I don't think anybody cares about the season. Um. Yeah, we got to, we got to roll games, through overreaction we, or accurate. The new. Okay, yeah. Let's do our let's do our last segment, and then we'll give our predictions.
1: Yeah. So the first one for our overreaction or accurate segment is would FSU be better off part or FSU would be better off parting ways with Charles Kelly now rather than waiting until season's end. So I ask you overreaction or accurate
0: overreaction. The only thing they might be better. Okay. Overreaction because I don't think they should part ways with him entirely because I don't think there's anybody else. I think you'd have a big problem if you had Bill Miller Odell Hagan's or Brad Long calling, calling the defense because I don't think anybody else is capable. Maybe maybe the only way you could do it is if you fired Charles Kelly and, and promoted Addison Lynch to defensive coordinator um, who we talked about previously, but I'm not sure that, that would be a great idea either to throw Lynch into the fire like that with a bunch of people who don't really care, although it might might help the culture a little bit and give it, players more of a buy-in. But uh, I do think FSU might be better with demo- demoting Instead of firing demoting Charles Kelly to linebacker coach and calling the defense maybe by committee. What do you think?
1: I, I agree. I kind of I think that they could make firing him or getting rid of him now like work. Um, I don't know if it worked too great, but I, I don't know. I just think right now the biggest issue you're facing isn't even necessarily like who's calling the defense. I think it's just like the culture and the effort and the guys are kind of giving up and mailing it in for the rest of the season. And I I think that maybe causing that little bit of uncomfort by having a new guy who's in charge, someone else that you have to prove yourself to, um, someone to kind of come in and sell, okay, this is a blank depth chart, y'all are all playing for your spots this week in practice, and and kind of sell that message of proving yourself and giving, I guess, trying to create a new reason for these guys to play and give effort on, on these last few Saturdays going down the stretch. I think that, that there, it could be something that – and I think we've seen it happen in the past sometimes. It, it's not really a sustainable bump when when you see it. Um, I think sometimes it gets like like when a head coach is fired, um, similar to what happened to, to like Les Miles and Ed Orgeron last year, the team kind of rallies a little bit because uh, mm-hmm. there's a little bit of uncomfortableness and they have to kind of play harder. And, and it, it just creates a level of, of – I guess just they have to give a little bit more effort because things are new, they're uncomfortable. Um, so so I think it, it could work. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think I would probably try it if I was in that position, but I could understand why you would hold off on doing it until the season's over. I think All another right, thing think. about it, though, too, is recruiting. You might try and get a message out to recruits that things are changing um, that way, but it's that's another thing.
0: All right, perfect natural transition. Next, overreaction or accurate, Ethan? FSU will sign the lowest-ranked recruiting class of Florida's Big Three this cycle. True or false? Uh, I'll go with accurate. accurate? I'll go with accurate. I agree. agree. Accurate. I don't think there's much else to be said. Miami's on a roll with both their season and recruiting, although I think they lose their next two games to Virginia Tech and Notre Dame, but that's beside the fact um, their recruiting class won't be much affected by that. I think they'll still sign the best class in Florida this year. I also think Florida – with their new coach might not sign the best class, but because they already have corral and apparently he's gonna stick, I think they still sign a good class, even though the coach doesn't have time to to really recruit. I think FSU, I think it'll go Miami, Florida, Florida State, and the gap between Miami and Florida will be
1: bigger than the gap between Florida and Florida State. Does that sound fair, Ethan? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think Florida and Florida State will both be in that like eight to twelve range. Um Maybe maybe Florida goes a little higher, but I think Miami um, will be closer to that like four or five range, which is interesting. All right, last one. FSU would be better off
0: not rescheduling the University of Louisiana Monroe game, putting the final nail in the coffin of Florida State's bowl streak. Um, I think it's accurate. Like, why I, do you think, I, why do you think they'd be better off? That's, I'm interested to hear that.
1: Um, I think that it, like face value, I don't even know if that game's going to make a difference. Um, I don't know if Florida state's going to get to five wins. Otherwise, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I I don't know. So, but then other than that, I think it's, it's probably good to end the season, fire the coaches and, and, you know, get just clean, get rid of who you're going to get rid of and and get, and, and, and I don't know who all is going to come straight onto the staff but it's probably going to be good to get whoever's still on the staff and whoever you're able to pick up as soon as possible out on the trail and recruiting. And and I think that that maybe ending the season early and not having to deal with those extra three weeks of practice where you're still focusing on a season that for all intents and purposes was a huge failure will just allow you to move forward as a program and kind of focus on who you're going to hire, make those, make those talks, get through those conversations and, and kind of, Because those guys might not leave their jobs, but you can also talk to them and and line things up before then. So I think that that's something that would be beneficial if the season ended in late November as opposed to whenever in in late December.
0: Okay. So, Ethan, let's let's do our Syracuse predictions just because we've given a prediction every week. We both predicted close victories over Boston College last week. I don't think anybody who follows Florida State or college football in general saw Florida State getting blown out in the manner they did. Um, So we'll give ourselves excuses for that week, but I don't think we'll make the same mistake twice. At least I won't.
1: What's your prediction, Ethan? This game is really tough for me. Um, Not as in, like, I don't even – at this point it's so hard to predict, uh, like, a Florida State game because you have no idea what you're going to get. Like, like not only is, like, what all happens during a game – like a, a variable, but also the effort that is put in by Florida state is a variable. So you don't know exactly what you're going to get. And based off of last week, I think the team's going to mail it in. So I think you're going to be looking at, at something like a, I, I think it could be like a 31, 13 game because Syracuse is no joke this year. They, you know, they've already beat Clemson. People know that they played Miami. They, they played Miami close, even though they played horrible against Miami to Dungy through like four first half interceptions. And they still kept that game close so I, I think that you could be looking at a pretty embarrassing loss here for Florida State if they don't. If Florida State gets down early, it, it could get bad, like really bad. So I don't know. We'll see. I agree with you. I'll go. Uh, I agree with you mostly, like all, all the way around. I'll go
0: 20, uh, 27-19 Syracuse. I feel like Florida little... State puts up nineteen after the. Yeah, I think it gets a weird. College? I think it gets weird a little bit. Like Florida State breaks off. I don't know. And I'm not, it's not even me hoping that that happens. I just don't think Florida... I don't think Jimbo is capable of scoring three points in back-to-back games no matter how bad the team is uh, and how incapable the quarterback is who's currently really handcuffing Jimbo Fisher, but we can talk about that another time. Um, he's obviously doing the best he can. He can. No, no fault of James Blackman. He's just put in a horrible situation right now. But yeah, I'll say 27-19. I'll say Florida State's somewhat within striking distance at the end, although the offense really just can't get it done. Um, yeah.
1: I'll say my one variable to this game. People forget –
0: one thing is people forget that Syracuse lost to Middle Tennessee. Like, they're not – they're good. They beat Clemson. They're certainly capable of doing a good thing. But they're not some, like, solid, all-around, well, really well-coached team.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I I think they're improving under Babers. I think they're getting better. They're starting to believe in themselves a little bit this year. But I I think my one variable for this game is if Florida State – kind of cuts loose after Boston College and gives some of these young guys some opportunities, and, and they're kind of playing to prove themselves. And I, I think that's the only chance Florida State has to win this game if they kind of cut loose and let these younger guys, like DJ Matthews, like maybe a Kalon Layborn or maybe a, um, a Tamorian Terry, or play Hampson, Azrael Dean a little bit more. I don't know. That That's really, I think, the only the hope that Florida State has to win this game. I agree. All right, that wraps up this episode of Hear the Sphere, presented by No Game Day. I'm
0: Ryan Stalder, accompanied by my co-host, Ethan Vaughn. Uh, We'll talk to you guys. Ethan will bring you guys an instant reaction podcast after the game this weekend. It's a noon kickoff against Syracuse. Um, And we'll talk to you as a group next Wednesday. So tune in then, and uh, we'll talk to you then.